Welcome to Lucky Boys Podcast. I'm Will, and I have Norm over there. We thought it would be cool to give you guys a perspective from Joe Chan and Mr. Don Lee, Chinatown natives, who's been here for years and most recently remembering Corky, uh, picking up where he left off, fighting against the injustice and speaking out and speaking up against it. Um, and you both knew him very dearly. Yeah, Corky's a great guy. And, you know, as a fellow photographer, and the thing is, I've, you know, we have two different perspectives. He's always, he's the straight shooter. He always telling me, he's like, you know, everything that he's been doing with the photography and a lot of times where uh, the Asians and certain populations do not have a voice, his work in photography is the voice for injustice. And that's, you know, one of the things that I would like to continue uh, speaking out for injustice i mean you know we've been at these rallies you know with the anti asian hate crime and then all of that stuff going on right now and, and i feel that it's also um some of our silence is also giving these individuals consent to to allow them to do what they're doing and which i you know think the system is also need to be revamped because if they are catching these individuals and they're releasing them and you know why bother just having all of these advocacies when you're just constantly putting them back out in the streets? Now, what do you mean by that when you say our silence is giving them consent? Who are we giving consent to? Well, basically, you know, with the hate situation, whether, you know, you're Asian or somebody else or a victim, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, even with Gerald Millen and the fact that he knew the person that called him coronavirus on the court. But if you are not going to call these people out immediately to point out to them that this is wrong, uh, your silence is pretty much giving you know people out there consent because that's what's happening. And we do need to speak out. And, and you know, right off the bat in the point that when things happen immediately, we need to point them out and say, you know, what, you know, Why? It's just, does it make you feel better? Does it make you feel whatever it is? But a lot of times that silence, it's just, you know, either that, um, there are other ways they call it silence. How do you feel about that, Don? I'm not sure silence is really the word. I think one thing about Corky, what's unique about his photographer is that he does not take pictures of celebrities. He said it in many interviews. So he never, you know, so it's always about individuals, the people, that's what he's focused on. And I think often, and, and on that note, what's been happening now is all Instagram, you know, and the celebrity focused. And I think that is so such a distraction um, because what is the voice? The silence is because the individual, the, the people that Corky Lee brought to life to bring voice with fo- photograph are being silenced in the current environment. So the media is right? doing the, the silence. So... Because we we don't if you don't you know the old saying if you don't make a, a tree falls in a forest doesn't make any sound and that's what's going on right if you look at just what happened yesterday with this rally it was a safe it was created by our community leaders to offer a safe space for celebrities and Don what rally was this oh this is the um, anti. Hate rally by Aldaf, I think it was. No, uh, Asian American Federation. Okay, right. So, I mean, what's embarrassing is, quite frankly, 
Here are social organizations in our community who've been fighting for bilingual languages, but yet the own sign that calls for people to go to rally, it's in English only. You know, so what is it really about? Um, the bottom line is we need to make people accountable. We need to bring voice to the voiceless. Corky done that through his photography. And if we are to live through that legacy, that's what we need to do in everything that we do. There is something that you mentioned, and, and I, I don't want to let it slip by. Uh, you, you, you asked, what is it about? And I'm wondering that to myself. If it's not for bilingual people, if it isn't for people of you know, Chinese people in Chinatown, right? Then who is it for? What, what, what is it about? makes you wonder, you know, is it just a, just event? Is it, you know, because I'm a simple person. I'm a son of an immigrant. And like most immigrants, we're pretty simple. Immigrants come to this country for one purpose, one purpose only, to escape poverty and sometimes extreme poverty, right? So when they're here, all they want is to make sure that the next generation have, a, have, a, have an opportunity, but here we are, their voices being ignored, right? And their voices don't count. You know, all we hear is elected officials who present their own false narrative, continuing to vote for, for example, what is the solution they offer? They're, we're very pragmatic. We basically singularly focus immigrant parents to make sure that kids have the next generation and they will sacrifice everything they got. Take that into context. Are they really silent? Or as we say, is the juice worth the squeeze? If they report the crime, what happens to them? What happened to the grandma, right? She went and they told her to go home and call 911. She still went to, 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 uh, to call the precinct. There's probably two weeks worth of people calling her constantly, asking the same question over and over and over and over again. They're a victim of a crime where they're going to drag your ass out and go to the same crime scene to relive that. And then what happened? What happened to the perpetrator in Queens? He was released the next day. Right? There's no accountability. And some random guy just threw shit at her feet, picked her up and shoved her. And um, there's a big uproar on social media. Uh, Olivia Munn called it out. And, brought, and she called that out, used her platform, Enough is Enough, highlighted that incident and that drew media attention yeah. and usually when it draws media attention of that level um, they usually get the person they usually get the person so they got that person quickly um, and I, I I think within 24 hours they, they were released, released them but I don't think that's the police fault correct it is they have to follow the laws in the system if that guy lawyered up basically the police has to follow the law and allow him to go, right? I just want to draw some clarification no, 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 I think, here. I think that's that's all fine and dandy. But for the victims, they basically said, again, these are very simple people who are honest and said, I'm here to make sure that I provide for my family. I got my ass kicked. And then the perps walk. It is as simple as that. All the other reasons, explanations, do they care? Of course they do. They just, but, you know, are all those nuances, the things that really matter to them at the time? I mean, we're talking about, and what bothers me also is this continued suggestion that 
anti-Asian, anti-East Asianness are only a recent phenomenon. That's complete bullshit. Of all the people listening, when you were in school, when you were kids in school, how many of them got picked on? Let's be honest about that. This doesn't happen now because, you know, some jerk in the name of Donald Trump decided to say some shit. It's been happening but this way been happening. before. Or whether he's in there or not, it's not going to cease to exist. Not only was it not that that was the problem, it was unchecked, unchallenged. Chinese kids from elementary school, I was in elementary school, I got on a fight, right? And it's happened all the way to college. So this is not like, this. when, I say, when people say systemic, let's really talk about systemic. That's what I'm talking about. Don't overgloss this stuff, you know, make it Instagram friendly. Let's get real about this. This has been happening. Back in the late 70s, the 80s, when there were factories, when I talked to my senior, you know what they say to me? If the low bond asked me to work, work late, and all of you, check, check with your moms and your parents who work in factories. What did they do? They borrowed $10 because they were targeted, right? And they were hit so many times, they just said, you know what? Let me pull my 10 bucks so that I don't get hit, right? But now with this hate crime, you can even put a $10 up and you're still going to get your ass kicked, right? So that's, if you Google, I just Google um, Chinese delivery, Chinese food delivery murder, 38 million hits on Google, okay? Do what you find it for yourself. So is that not systemic? Do we really want to talk about this? So what I'm talking about from, I, I'm not a historian, right? I'm not the quirky leaves. I'm not none of those stuff. I'm just a simple guy who lives in Chinatown and say, what is my own life experience? What is that of my, my friends? You grew up being put up with all that stuff, right? You get your parents who are afraid to go home, but they have to go like they're going to borrow $10. You have mil- tens of thousands of, you know, just random attack. And this whole part is let's have a real discussion, right? This, and, and, and sometimes when I talk to some of the younger generations, they're like, you know, they're canceling their parents. Right. They're racist, Right. I mean, if we believe people are not born racist, maybe they should take a little time to say, hey, how did my mom or parent become racist? Right. Can we look at do they drill down a step further? Do they not deserve that? Right. So you're saying people that are calling their parents racist should question why they became racist. If because if you're not born being racist, you should ask your parents, how did they come to that conclusion? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying is, do the same thing that you're doing. We're talking about criminal justice reform, and I am definitely for resort of justice when it makes sense. But if we're going to say, let's before we punish anyone, to look at the systemic things, that the oppression that make them who they are, right? And I don't disagree with that. Why don't you offer the same courtesy to your own parents and your grandparents? That's what I'm saying. So you're saying like they've dealt with things that their kids can't even imagine. Where if they got home from work or if they were going home, that they, they were being targeted um, constantly um, in the way it's designed to get them. And eventually after being targeted over and over 
watching their friends being targeted, their families, themselves as victims. And because of that, they may look at certain people with, with disdain and carefulness. And that's tough. There was this tweet uh, on social media from someone by the name of Yuji uh, Lee Yang. What's so enraging about these attacks on Asian elders is how, in my experience, my older relatives minimize their pain, opinions, and the space they occupy in order to unburden others. They mind their own business while trying to survive. Targeting them feels especially cruel. Isn't that the damn truth? Spot on. Absolutely. Right. An example of that is is the 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 guy that was pushed, um, the Thai guy, uh, mm-hmm. the Thai man, mm-hmm. eighty four years old, eighty three. Right. I mean, there's just so many cases. It's just hard to freaking keep up at this point. He came to this country in order to help his daughter and his son in law raise their child while they go to work. He wanted to unburden them. So, what greater gift can he do than to? take care of his grandchild and what how nice it is to have your father come in someone that you trust with your child you give you a peace of mind while you try to build the american dream and then to have someone take that all away unprovoked attack strip strip you from that just seems so unfair and cruel you're taking away these are individuals who have decided that their life, the rest of their life on earth, is just to make sure the next generation have a fair shot. They're not looking for glory. They're not looking for what is their dream. Their dream is just to, and not asking for any return, just to know I live that life that I don't want my kids to have. With all of that done. And that's all parents, by the way. Yes, Most good parents. parents. Th- that goes across cultures. Correct. That's nature, right? But the thing is, what's different is, these are the parents who took that extra step to say, I'm going to come to a country where I know nothing. But I am determined that for getting nothing for my life, my children's going to get a better future. That's the only thing they want. And we're going to take their life away. We're going to put them in fear. We're going to have their own kids cancel them out, right? To not even listen to them, don't even over the courtesy. When I hear Letitia James and I had a mayor and all of these guys who were doing this, nothing short of a political campaign yesterday, it infuriates me because then you don't know our community. Then you don't know the same people that you're supposed to be advocating for. When you say, do not be fearful, come to me. They're not fearful of the system. They're fearful of the fact that they will inconvenience the kids. They're fearful of the fact that nothing will happen. They're fearful of not the system because all the friends went through the system. People don't talk about what the victim's experience is like. Right? And they need to do that. All right? Back in 2002, I believe, there was this gentleman up in the Browns, right? He works um, in a liquor store behind those plexiglass. One day there was a fight. So he wanted to be a good Samaritan. He comes out and told you to stop the fight. 
They punched him and he was dead. And that was an assault charge. Why are we fighting for a hate crime? It is not because we just want to be hate versus hate. Let's be realistic about it. If the perpetrators are not arrested, they cannot even get a court order of protection. Is anyone thinking about the rights of the victims? You know, I'm not saying, hey, man, let's call this a hate crime because, yeah, that's what it is. Because it sounds good. Because it's Instagram friendly. No. Fuck that. It's about what are the laws that can available to that When the city of New York, not calling these crimes the felony that it is, the victim cannot even get an order of protection. Not that it will do much. But they even deny that very basic right of protection. Why are not people talking about that? Is that too much to ask? And that itself is injustice. Because the bottom line is right now, the victims has practically no power and they're going to have to relive the incidents because every time that they have to explain to them what happened, they're living that situation over and over again. And, you know, it's also, I work in the Bronx and I noticed that they, uh, they would target the, the undocumented because they know they're not going to go to the cops. And, you it's know, traumatizing, man. it is traumatizing because now you're getting double screwed. You know, this is like a practically double fry rice, fry whatever the hell you want to call it. Because now, as a victim, you have to relive every time when you have to explain to these guys in the police station. And, and the bottom line is, you know, some of them don't even want to take your, 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 you know, the incident report. Either that or they just don't bother with it or, or it's not worth, you know, their, you know, the, the work or whatever, they, whatever the, it may be. You know, they're out to, in the beginning, they're supposed to be protecting and to serve. That's the part. However, you know, beyond that, when you have a criminal justice system with the revolving door, with DA Katz saying, well, you know, I'm for restore the justice and all of this, and next thing you know, in and out, in and out burger. And what happens? And, you know, you show no sympathy, no compassion for the victim. Meanwhile, they're out on bail. And they're going to end up doing it again. There are repeat offenders that happen to be like 90 times. We've got one guy in the subway beating up everybody, and it's in the post. The guy had record of over 90 incidents, over 90. We're not talking about 10, 20, over 90, and he's out there. And the man was laughing on the news. <laughs> I'm going to be fucking doing this shit again. And... What do you do with that? And no, that's I mean, pure, blatant injustice flawed by design. We talked about, like, you know, it's case by case, right? How can you let everyone out? Revolving door policy, whatever the bill reform uh, states, and, and saying, like, any perp that does a crime, anybody, any type of crime, they're allowed to, to leave. And it, it fears to me because case by case, I mean, the person who pushed the, the, uh, the lady on the ground and he was released, like, within 48 hours. That infuri- infuriates me. Like, now he's out there, and he could do it again. And there's no one to stop him. And, and the fact that it, it was on social media, that also pisses me off because it only got attention because a celebrity uh, tweeted about it or, 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 or said something about it instead of the cops doing their fucking job. Now, the lessons that I learned from BLM is that we really need to reexamine systemic 
problems, right? And that means to really need to go through everything, to really look at it. How do we solve this problem? It's going to be solved overnight? Of, of course no. not. But if we are not, but if elected officials coming out publicly are not even getting the problem right, they'll never solve it, right? They're like, oh, you culturally you're afraid to report. No, because it doesn't pay for them to report. It causes more pain. It causes more problem. It causes more strife. It causes the younger parents not able to go home and cook for their kids. It causes them to relive that in their whole lifetime and time and time again, as Joe mentioned. You know, and, and, and that's just one example of it. You know, the other part is, what about the real, the rest of their life experience, right? I remember, and, and we all know this, if you go to a DMV, you see all the frontline people being African-Americans, generally speaking, right? Hopefully, there's, but you see all the supervisors are white. So when they have a problem, it's always the white person coming to solve the problem. Hmm. Okay? There was a time when all the cops are white. So is a perpetrator? It's always the, the cops. So fix that problem. Right? But um, what I'm saying is, before we cancel our own parents, let's look at respect and understand their life experience. The same way you give to other people. Right? When Daniel Wu... And Daniel J. Kim said, I'm going to do a $25,000 and I want people to be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. There was an uproar in the Asian American community. Wait, an uproar attacking Daniel Wu and yeah. Daniel J. Kim? And saying, yeah, no cop, more cop is not the solution. That is not how you're going to solve the but problem. But there were such catalysts to bring or highlight attention to this matter. Well, not even that. But yesterday at the same rally, when Letitia James said, forget about non-uniform volunteer patrol. I want uniform patrol. When she says, I will make sure they're prosecuted to the full extent of the law. They, the same people that were complaining about Daniel, you know, Daniel Wu and then they were cheering. So what? what, what is the hypocrisy? How so, is it that? Why so do it's okay the when a politician that's not Asian says it, but when... Asians say it. It's not okay. Uh, that's is that what you're saying? Go go look go look it up. It's a matter of perspective. Go look it up. Wait, I, I didn't even know people were attacking Daniel Wu and, and Daniel Day Kim. There are people who are saying, "Hey, why do you you know?" Now you have another faction going, "Joe, you're Asian. Shut the fuck up." And then meanwhile, my friend over here who's not Asian saying, "Hey, Will, I will punish your ass to the full extent of the law." And everybody else is cheering. Is that what you're saying? Is that what I'm understanding? That's what happened. That's what happened. It's what happened. I mean, come on. You got people who are hiring signs. Wait, is this Asians? you saying Asians are attacking yes. Daniel Wu and Daniel Daycam? Yeah. Don, you're saying like people, the same Asians, but we don't know specifically if, if those are the same people that are attacking Daniel Daycam and saying the same things. Well, if we're talking about the younger generation of Asian Americans that are talking about you know, let's 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 uh, not you know, PC culture, right? And let's not like, let's, you know, let's not focus on you know harsher uh, policing. What I mean to say is, you know, I'm not a journalist. I'm not an English major. I'm just a simple guy from Chinatown, right? Who put my way to college. So if I don't, I'm not that clear. My apologies. 
My point is, there are people who are willing to write to complain about Daniel Day Wu and Daniel Wu. Why are these people complaining about Letitia James? That's what I'm saying. You know, are they the exact people? No. What I'm saying, the same people who are going out to Instagram, putting this stuff up. Why don't you say something about that? Like Daniel Wu, Daniel Day Kim. I can agree with that. If someone does something, they should be punished to the full extent of the law. Yes, that makes sense to me. A lot of times people don't understand the fact that you have the law and order and then the criminal justice system. And they think they're all like it's as one. Because now if you have if you do have cops that are supposedly protect and serve, but at the same time there are right now people saying, Fuck the police to fund the police, fuck the police to fund the police. So that's one thing that they're taking down. But now the teacher saying says she wants more cops. She wants a special unit. Special unit. So but then again, a special it's unit like, for what? If you Just want special units, if you oh, so cops. legitimize yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah. if you rah 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 for a That's a good thing. But they're now screaming to fund the police. So now you have a conflict of what the politicians are of what they're after because the BLM thing is defund the police. I'm but not this sure, isn't. I'm but not this sure isn't the BLM thing. I'm just saying that it's overall right now. But, but what I'm ex- you know extrapolating out of all of this is that Letitia wants to increase the police presence right. to address the crime that's happening, the rising crime that's happening in Asian American society. States. That makes sense to me, right? Because if everything else is falling, like we were saying, if everything else is falling and this is rising, in anything, you would want to plug the leak. And whether this is business or it's just common sense thinking, I'm with Letitia all day I'm, on that. I'm with her. What, the only thing I said was, you know, I'm with her. No, I'm in complete agreement. I think she's a wonderful state attorney general. And I hope he investigates the crap out of Meryl Cuomo. But, you know, I think but, she's going to do on, Trump but too, on, by the on way. This, on this issue, I think the, my only one thing is that they did not do enough research when they said, hey, you're afraid to, to report and you don't need to be afraid to report. No, it's not because they're afraid, right? Look at their experience. What Wait, is who's that saying experience? that? Who's they? Who said that? All the, go, go all the to, politicians? All the politicians. Yeah. At the rally yesterday? All of, all of them. They all said that. Like, the we're afraid is- to report. It's culture. It's language. And you're it's saying that. it's deeper than that. You're saying yeah. that it's not that we're afraid to report. It's that when we're reporting, you're telling us to go home. You make it hard for us to report. Is that it? Not just hard. What is the outcome? It's right? not worth it. It's not worth it. because that there will be no justice. Because you got to remember, they're not, the immigrant community are not privileged to take days off to go to this stuff. If they go to this, go to court. They lose a day's pay. Not right? only that, they'll lose the job because those particular jobs that they hold, it's not a white collar thing where you're like properly employed. It doesn't come with all the best benefits. Yeah. And at the same time, as I it's, mentioned earlier, when you do snitch, not as a whistleblower, you go back to your neighborhood, these people are going to know, oh, and that's what they're... I don't even think that's the case. But that's For also... Me, it's, it, it's, there, could, there could be people like that, but the, the people that I know is... When they got the call, who's the one to interpret for them? Their own kids. Right, that's true. You know, let's. That's true. De- this is what I deal with people who live with this thing every day. 
And now you're bringing your kids right? into this. Now you bring your kids and into no this And no parents want to do that. No parents want to bring their kids into their shit. Right? So that's the yeah. reason why they don't report. Not this afraid, not this cultural, not this... None of it. And it goes down to money right? because now your kid has to take a day off of whatever they're doing right. or in school. It's and, a always- lot, and you know what? A lot of them don't even want their kids to know. Yeah. They don't they because don't. what they is... Don't. If I'll they tell put, you that I'll tell you that firsthand. When things trauma, happen to my parents, they don't want to traumatize the kids. When I was a kid, they didn't let me know. When bad things happened to my parents, when they were victims of a crime, I did not find out about it till I was a, a man. I was an, an adult, and I'm like, "What the hell? That like, that happened to you, and you didn't let me know? I was in the dark all these years." They eat their bitterness in silence because, because they don't want you to worry about. They want you to focus in what you're supposed to do to better your life. So you can carry on a lot of times. And my daughter would say things to me after she graduated in college. And you know what she said to me? Because you would have been in jail if they would have found, you know, if, you, if I told you what they had done to me in school, I know you, Dad, you would have fucked them up. And I would. I, I'm the one right now. I'm saying I have that particular set of skills. I will find you. <laughs> And I will make you disappear. And my daughter knows that my you know, and that's why she didn't tell me at, until she graduated college of all the shit that happened to her in middle school. But, well, let me just add one more point. It's not so much that they don't want the kids to know. If they know the outcome is something positive, they would do it. They would want the kids to say, hey, I fought back and look what happened. But why take on a fight that you know you're not going to win? Why take on a fight that you know that they'll punish you 10 times more for reporting? Not, not for anything else, but because the system will punish you by dragging your ass out, by telling your kids, by interpreters that, that might not be ap- but correct, that you need to correct. You have to translate right? in proper context. So, I've done that before. So, it's very difficult. Right, so it is the, the point is that these are the same people who said, I'm going to come to this country. I'm going to do something great. So they want an outcome. They're very pragmatic. If they're not going to get the outcome, they're not going to waste time. So they're going to put all the energy on the outcome that matters. Now they put their kids to school. Now what's, what's the mayor saying? What is the chancellor saying? Not one, you know, this does not support one group as in Asians, right? These kind of rhetoric, it's what escalated the... the the, the tension in our communities when people were kids. You know, we need to hold people accountable. Our school system needs to be held accountable. Why talk about it when the time's the victim? But how did we how did we get here? Why is the victim not talking about it? As I explained, right? And I'm not that smart. These are the people who told me this is why they don't do it. So what what's the answer here? What needs to be done? Is it is it our politicians? Is it Letitia James? Is, is, does she need... I mean, what she's saying sounds like it's a major step forward. Um, you know, but I look at the timeline of the execution. That's something that people should look at closely. Um, then you could look at these politicians that were there. Yeah, a lot of them, you know, they're playing the game. They're playing the game. This is great um, exposure for me. People see me here. It's election year too. Come exactly. On. They see me here. They see what's up. And they know that I'm involved with the community. I'm here for you. Yeah. Right? Take yeah. on one. You take on you, all of us. Well, you, yeah. here where are they now? Vote. Are they in Chinatown right now? Where were you prior to the elections? Where were you during 
your time in office when this has been happening already for the longest time. I'm not sure I would look for them to solve the issue, even though they have the power. But I'm not sure that I, I can rely on it because I don't see any results. So where should we look to to solve this? We look for history that worked. This month is Black History Month. And what I learned from Black History Month is that you need to make politicians uncomfortable. That's why giving them a safe space, as we did yesterday, is not the solution. Lyndon B. Johnson didn't say, hey, let me hand over the civil rights you know, to you guys. You know, let's change all the laws. He told the black community, let me know how bad you want it. Dr. Martin Luther King, he was born. Martin Luther King decided to, but at least he's practical. At least he listened. He did not give bullshit, right? I mean, I'm not a historian, but at least he says, you show me how bad you want it, I'll do something. And the African company did. For 10 years, they march. What do we do? We give them safe space. Our own people are feeding them lies instead of correcting them. And say, wait a minute. Not because we don't want to, because we're afraid. Because the system is failing us. So you're saying that our people who are at the forefront fighting for this are enabling the politicians to promote their agenda, giving them a safe space, using this as a platform to furthering their name or their personal agenda within the political climate, rather than making actual change. They're using the guys that are fighting for us, the ones that have that clout right now on social media, that go, oh, you're the one that's fighting for us. And using them to boost their ratings? Is that it? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying immigrants are born optimists. Otherwise, we would just stay where we are and don't, don't look for better options. And I don't have a reason to believe that these guys are bad people. I'm sure they are. But I would just say, do, do a Take a little bit deeper. Really understand the people that you propo- you're supposed to represent. Don't look through your, your lenses. Don't look through that from other people's lenses. Talk to them. You know, I'm fortunate because I grew up in Chinatown. These are the people I grew up with. And they share with me those real experiences. Right? How many of them actually know that they actually brought not 10 $1 bills, one $10 so that the guy said, okay, I'm taking that 10 and I'm, I'm not going to punch them. Right. You know, they're still gambling because you're not even sure when after they check your money, they're going to jack you up again. Right. But are they is it because they are, you know, because they're weak or because they just want to make sure they can go home and cook, cook a damn meal for you so you can go to school. Yeah. And because they do, they fight. Are the cops, are the police protecting them? Right. So, I mean, we need to really think about this. You're right. You know, my parents, I didn't understand this when I was a kid and maybe a lot of people listening didn't understand as well when they were kids. But as an adult, I can tell you that everything my parents did, it was always about the big picture. They looked at us first. And I can't tell you how many sacrifices they made just so that... um, To better you. To make you better. Yeah. And to make your children for the next seven generations better. And the thing is, you know... It's hard, the fact that what Don was saying earlier is hard. It's like what we have to take care of, what we have to do. And 
it's hard because back in our time growing up, we didn't have a safe space. We didn't have a cry closet. We ate, and you know, you have to remember, sometimes you have to be in a very uncomfortable place to find those solutions because once you're safe, then you you let your guard down and you let other people to try to do things for you. But that's not how things are supposed to get things done. You don't find solutions in comfortable spots. You find solutions in the hardest areas. And that's why when we, you know, and our family, when we eat bitter, I mean, that term is a generational term. Yeah. You don't eat bitter in a safe space. And, and this is where that political correctness and that filter, that bullshit that it comes into me, throw that shit out the window. Because, man, you're going to have a safe space and, and you know, the, oh, all it in this cry closet. I said, listen, I fucked up on my exam. I'm not going to find a room to cry. You get back on the books and you do better. You know, Don, you, you mentioned... Um we need to apply more pressure and make them uncomfortable. I could not agree more. I think for a lot of Asian Americans uh, throughout the United States and across the world, they're new to this. This is very new to all of us in terms of what's going on. Do I mean, you could say coronavirus kickstart this and people are looking for an outlet uh, or a reason to, to get at us or target our communities throughout the world. And... A lot of them are used to being in a comfortable space in in their own bubble. And the people that I'm meeting when I go out to these rallies, when I'm out here volunteering or when I see you guys and how I met you right for the first time, the conversations that took place and what was the reoccurring theme was this is my first time being involved in anything. So being that there are so many people new to this, they're not really sure how to navigate this. So people that are more experienced, like the politicians, like the people that's doing that had, I guess, many repetitions of this, they'll know how to move further. So the people that are new to this space are just going to follow who the thought leaders are in this space, and perhaps without too much questioning. And the points that you raise, I think, are very important. We have to drill a, a, a step further. We have to look into things deeper. Are we culturally afraid to report something? It's not. A, it's a cult, It's not an afraid thing. It's more of a condition because once again, that moral minority sets in. And I've said it before that we don't have a Chinese Al Shopton that can be loud and tactically articulate what we need. We don't have a Chinese Malcolm X. Well, we can be able to stand in front of a microphone in front of the population and say, listen, this system and the injustice, you have to be able to have that thunder voice to say, you're fucking with us in a very methodical way by the system. This injustice is coming from your system. And at the same time, we need to have that representative in such a way to be able to articulate it like a Malcolm X. As much as I'm not too crazy about Al Shopton, He's out there with that voice when it's needed, and people will listen. I think that for us to really respect and want to do something right, you know, to make people, let me just say this, to make people uncomfortable, it's simple. Tell the truth. Don't tell what's 
sounds like the truth, the real truth. That's enough for them to feel uncomfortable. But if we're really going to talk about civil rights, let's finish the job that they die for us for. You know, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, I would not be here without them. But their job is not finished. What is their job ultimately is to eradicate poverty. That has not been done. It is not, it's a class more than class and it is race. I think we said These that. People, this is not happening. Andrew Yang didn't get his ass kicked. Yeah, some New York Times journalist, yeah, someone called him something. But that's very different from a, a, a knife stab into your back. That's very different from you have to borrow $10 when you go home, when you go home late because you have to work extra hours. That's very different from what people in the hood in Chinatown are living every day. So if we really solve this problem, we don't need the symbolism. Those are, that's a tool. I'm not saying it's, 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 you know, do whatever you need to do to get the message out. But stay focused on what this is about. It's eradicating poverty. And that is the one failure that have not, that's the one, not failure, that is the one goal that have not been fulfilled. All right? New York City, according to, uh, you know, what is it? Uh, Andrew Yang, right? Our budget, it's the, if it's a country, it's with the 11th in the world. Yet we have extreme poverty. The people getting killed, the food delivery guys, are not happening on the Upper East Side. You know where it's happening. Does that mean because I want, I'm, I'm a hate black people? No, because I want, I want, let's solve the problem by eradicating the poverty that's there. So poverty is a catalyst to all of this, whether it's a black community, an Asian community, whatever community, if poverty is causing this. There's no question about it. You know, Mike Tyson, I heard Mike Tyson on a podcast say something interesting where, where he, he said he used to, in his former life, before he was a, 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 you know, known as Iron Mike Tyson, said something to the point of he used to rob people. He openly says it. He used to rob people, mug people. And they questioned him. Some, some rapper uh, said... Uh, you, he thinks that Mike Tyson actually robbed his mom when he was a kid while he was with his mom. And Mike Tyson, you know, very sorry about it. You know, he's, an, he's an adult now. He's a different person then. And he said, you know what? If I robbed you back then, then you probably had more than me. And that was his whole reason because he was in a place of poverty and he needed help. It was either do or die. And I'm not justifying anything. But what I am saying is that there's people out there that need help. And if they don't get that help, they're going to do whatever they can to survive. And I think that's your point. And that's why Malcolm X and MLK primary goal was to bring down these color lines and address poverty. So because they knew that if that problem can be solved, that would be one less major fight to deal with. And it would help us get into a, a playing field where we're even instead of an uphill climb. Yeah, you would, you would have the time. I mean, right now, people are just like, am I going to be able to feed my family? When you're down to that level, you know, rather than, okay, where am I going to pop my money? Should it be in stocks? Should it be in, you know, we're talking they about They don't have the luxury things, right? of that. And the thing so, is, with the pandemic and... You know, sorry. No, no, oh, no, you're okay. There's you somebody know, behind you. With the pandemic, because right now we have, 
you know, unemployment. Of course, a lot of people saw that there were people back to work. There was no work because majority of the people that are living in poverty, the underserved, all of these jobs are gone. And they the worry about and, and yeah. the rent needs to be paid. The utility needs to, the eviction notices. They all build up. And right now, you know, that bubble is about to burst because as much as even that $1,400 coming in, how much of that money is going to be able to provide for people that are in dire need of finances? And they're going to have to decide where that money is going to go, whether they're going to live, eat, or, you know, what have you. And, and there are, you know, these struggles are real when you are living below the poverty line. And I'm working with people in the Bronx and in Harlem and people that are in Brooklyn that are way below the poverty line. So, you know, and now we have a bigger gap than ever because of what's happening with the economy in New York City. It's bad enough that the, you know, the silent minority, which is the Asians, is actually the poorest. If you look at Huffington Post, which I mentioned before, we are, you know, the poorest. Who is drawing this narrative that Asians are rich and that we don't deal with racism and poverty? You know, they, they don't even classify us as minorities. A lot of states, a lot of universities, a lot of corporations. And also there's something, you know, if you look at the bigger picture, we talk about how to get out of poverty, right? For Chinese Americans in particular, you know, I don't want to speak for other Asian because I, you know, I know my company best. Education. Education is the way out. That's how I got out. That's how a lot of people got out. Right. But yet in our own system, we're being shamed to be good in school. We're getting attacked. Right. This whole SHSAT stuff. Right. No one want to talk about the, the, the reality is it's not about us versus them. It's about people who say this is my way out. My ticket out of poverty is not to depend on government, but depend on education. This country will give me a fair shot. If I get education to my kids, it's a very simple formula. It have worked for generations. And that's what they believe still is the case. It might not be anymore, but that's what they believe it is. But if that's the one thing that they have, but yet society keeps shunning them, keeps shaming them, calling them test robots, calling them all kinds of names. Or worse, take the whole right? test away. Right? They're taking the whole program away. So, so I think that's the difference. Different company group have different ways to deal with different problems. You know, I mean, so, you know, I, like, why did they say Jok Singh? Our ancestors get the shit right. Why not Twinkie? Why not Banana? Why Jok Singh? And what does Jok Singh mean for those of right. those? What, Jok what does it Singh mean? means dry bamboo. Means it's yellow on the outside, white on the inside. What it also means, what the ancestors are telling us is this. No matter who you think you are, how white you are, they will always see your skin as a bamboo. You will always be Chinese to them. Oh, that's the uh, yeah, that's the other analogy. Uh, so whoa. don't kid yourself. You will always be Chinese to them first, right? Yo. So we don't learn those lessons. Is that oh? That's my, why it's my called uncle said that to my cousin, and right. she was a graduate from Harvard with a PhD. Right. You can still be. A graduate from Harvard with a PhD, but you're still going to be a Chinaman. All right. So, Jokka, 
then it's at the two end. It's like if you don't if you're not born in this country, you have it worse because you can't, you don't really understand the American. They would not even accept you as an American. Period. They would see you Chinese. Period. But you didn't understand that way, and you don't have enough knowledge to be chi- to understand the Chinese way. So you are stuck. The cock is the end the of the dry yeah, bamboo. The, the, the two, the two, you know, because bamboos are compartmentized. So that means that you're not getting through either way. New immigrants, you get your shit even worse, is what they try to tell you. Because you're not getting through either way. You That's think you are, cock, but you're not. But you are not. No matter how white you think you are, it doesn't matter. You know what? I have a few friends that are in the, in, in the entertainment industry. And I would say a year and a half ago, as recent as a year and a half to two years, what they were saying to me was, Will, we finally got our foot in the door in, the, in, the, in Hollywood, right? We feel like we're getting the representation. Um, we're getting our movies. We're getting our story told. Coronavirus hits. And then the reality hits. And then they tell me, yo, they hate us, Will. This is, it's like, I felt like we were so close. And now that you mentioned what you just did, I'm going, was it all an illusion? Did you think, you think we got a ticket onto their their level of the boat? You know, where we, we're working our way out of the bottom. We're finally there and we're right next to them. Think again. Think again. Because what this, what, what this has shown to us... We're always a dry bamboo. We may think we're out of it. We may think that we're in their club now, in this exclusive club where people praise and want and been dreaming of their whole life. And, and, and I know that there's Asians out there like that who... Even Asian guys, like if they had a, a, a white girlfriend, they were just so fucking, they look so goofy in these pictures because they look so proud that they were, had this white girlfriend. And I remember I even had um, one of my friends, uh, he dated a white girl. And we were, I think it was like prom or one of those things, right? And his, he brought a, a white girlfriend. And she was okay, mid-range. You know, wasn't like off the charts supermodel, but she was okay. She was a looker. And the way he held her so tightly, and it just looked goofy as fuck. You know, where he was so proud, like he thought he was better than everyone. Like, hey, I'm white now. <laughs> you know, he had that look, he had that air about him, his nose was up. And he had this smug, this air of smugness about him. And I just looked at him like, bro, that's dope that, you know, you feel so proud of someone you're with, but because of her race, like how goofy does that make you look? You know what I mean? If you find someone that you love and you're so proud of, of that or, or someone that you just click with, your soulmate, whatever that is, right? Good for you. Good on you. Enjoy that. If you're in love and all this, that's fine. But as a status? No. My step-grandmother is a white woman. All right. And you're married to a white woman. Right. My yes, step-grandmother is a white but woman. But I, I didn't need to do what, because a lot of them basically, right. believe it or not, are usually in academia. High academia, all the Ivy ghettos. They would, they would. That's where they would go find them because right. of that. Um, yeah. So what done. I learned from that that splendid family is just simple love. My grandfather loved my grandmother just like the way she loved. Her. You know, she was a custodian on Baxter Street, and my grandfather's a machinist. 
after work they met up and they care for each other. That's what it is. Two people without the family and they came together. It's all about love. So, you know, all these things I'm like, have we regressed? You know, what the hell's happening now? Right? So for me, you know, it's kind of weird because, um, but, but net net, the one thing, you know, talk about, we started with Corky. Let's talk about Corky. Um, one of the projects I worked with them was what the people were cooking for the railroad when they were building the railroad. And through that research, there was, I came across this one gentleman. His name escapes me now. But it was in the early 1900s, 18-something. So he, he's an immigrant, went to California. He worked his way up. And one day, he um, run his own store. The farms, they were beating the crap out of the Mexicans. Remember, California used to be Mexico. So they chased them out. And this Mexican farmer says, why don't you buy my land? So he goes, all right, I get the land. And then when it happened was, they said, well, you know, you're Chinese. You're not allowed to own land in this country at that time, right? So he goes, well, my sweetheart is, is, is born in the USA. So he marries her, goes to court and say, great, now my wife can register all those lands. Well, they said, oh, did you just say you marry him? Well, because he's an immigrant, you just lost your citizenship even though you were born in the USA. So what he said was, and his quote, he says, government and things can take, can take things away from you. The only thing they cannot take away is what's in your brain. And that's why he devoted to making sure people get educated. Education is the only thing that government cannot take away from you. If we want to talk about Chinese American history, for me, those are the ones that you want to talk about. Not the chop suey, not those tired bullshit that we hear about, you know, to feed the white people, to, what, to feed other people's needs, to make us feel inferior. But talk about this man who said, hey, I did not give up. They're taking everything I ever owned from me, but they cannot take away what's in my brain, which is education, and I'm going to devote everyone getting education. So be be proud of who you are, and if 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 you're smart, don't be ashamed of that, right? Don't be. That, if that's your superpower, it's, it's important because that Fourteenth Amendment to understand the fact that the person that you are—that's my favorite word—the person that you are gave us everything what we have today. That Fourteenth Amendment did us justice, and you have to understand that to understand to articulate. With the word person, we are a person that put us where we are right now. And if you don't know the law, the education allowed, you know, did not permit you to understand the law. Yeah. And, you know, I, it sounds funny sometimes. I always tell some guys that you have to learn how to fight that way. You know, it's like no matter how much, what tough road we've gone through and how accomplished we feel, whether in academics, in business, as an entrepreneur, as an athlete, as an entertainer in Asian American society, we're reminded, we're reminded. They won't forget, they won't forget to remind of, of uh, what they think of us. And we need to remind them. We did not get the education to make ourselves just better. Yeah, like all immigrants in this country, we all come to make a better life. But the reality is, through that, we also help build a stronger country. The education we get uh, across the board, 
right? The contribution that we have made, not just individual. How much more American is that? I don't know. I'd probably get a hat that says immigrant makes America great. Ooh, that's interesting. It's what we, the immigrants, you know what? is what a, a made lot of, a America lot of, great. Yeah, there was, there was um, some politicians and scientists that were saying, like, immigrants is what made this country great. It's, um, you know, when you look at, uh, they recruited the, the smartest minds, and they had to procure that talent outside of the and U.S. because their academic system, it's no figures. secret, it's much stronger than ours. We are all hidden, so, hidden figures. All uh, of us are hidden figures. They, so many people that design things, engineer things, made California, you know, irrigated waters that when nobody else can do it, the wineries and, and all the vineyards and all the produce and, of course, you know, whoever spiked those rails to yeah. be able to transport all of the resources across this nation, yeah. immigrants. Yeah, Don? So I say, let's use truth to make people feel uncomfortable because the fact that they don't even have the truth, we can make them feel, but just tell them the truth. It's not that difficult, number one. Number two, hold them accountable. You know, these fancy words, we care. Well, well show me how much you really care. Through actions. Actions, Let's you know, you, you take on one, you take on all of us. Well, all of them are now, none of them in Chinatown right now, the next day. Or in, in fact, after they said that, they get on their chauffeur, police escort and left. So much for pick on one and pick on all. Yeah. Keep it real. Well, thank you both for coming on the thank show you. to address it. And thank you for all the years and time you put into the community. Uh, it means a lot uh, across, not just in New York, but across the world. It, it gives us a voice because there are a lot of people in different areas that are listening to this, that are fighting the same fight and just really not sure how to move about this. So uh, thank you for sharing that and being outspoken um, at a time where we desperately need it. Norm, thanks for, um, you know, spotting us on today's <laughs> podcast. I know... Uh, um, you know, you're not in front of the camera to see your beautiful face, but uh, thank you um, for being excellent. Thank um, you for having us. Yeah, thank and we'll guys. continue to do what we do. Uh, and thank you guys for listening and supporting Lucky Boys to this point. Um, you know, uh, I, I really do appreciate you guys. And um, thanks again for listening. Until then, the next one, this is Lucky Boys, and we are out. Thanks for listening and supporting the podcast. Check us out on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts for the rest of our episodes.